Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMP LP Louisville, broadcasting from here, right here in the historic Habern Building in downtown Louisville at 106.5 FM. But you might be listening to our live stream at forwardradio.org. You might be listening to our podcasts. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, and we archive them at forwardradio.org as well. And while you're there, chip in a few bucks to help keep us on the air. We are totally listener-supported and we int- rely on volunteer power to make this station go. So maybe you're thinking about uh, an issue you want to share in our community. You want to get behind the microphones or maybe you've, you've got some volunteer time to help out with behind the scenes work. Boy, this is your place. Go to forwardradio.org, uh, click on participate today and let us know how you want to help out because we rely on you, my friends. What we do each week on Sustainability Now is bring in folks from around the community who are doing the good work of sustainability and certainly renewable energy must be a key part of that. So I'm so excited today to have two members of the 100% Real Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville with us. Welcome, Sam Avery and Margaret Stewart. Good Thank to be you. here. It's great to have you guys in person in the studio to talk about uh, the plug the event coming up this Wednesday, March 23rd at 7 p.m. It's the next, and you've been doing this great like quarterly kind of series called The Real Good News, right? That's right. That's right. How long has this been going on? It's been, I think this is our second year. Okay, second year of doing Mm. it and uh, covering different topics in renewable energy. What's going to be the focus this Wednesday? Well, we're very excited about this Wednesday's event. We are having a forum for the mayoral candidates of Louisville to discuss their take, their views on renewable energy here in our city. Um, We have, the city has passed a resolution for renewable energy in three stages. We can talk about that in a minute. But we have invited the candidates um, from both parties. We invited all the 12 who are running, and seven seven have (laughs) are available and agreed to meet with us on our Zoom on the 23rd. Wow, that's fantastic. And I want to add that Tom Fitzgerald will be our moderator. Many of you may know Tom. Um, He's he's well-known for his... Uh, work in the state legislature and on environmental issues in particular, fine human being besides uh, anyway, and good at working across the aisle. So we have both Republican and Democratic candidates, Democrat, I should say, probably. And um, (laughs) actually, anyway, so it should be a very good discussion. We will have time limits on the candidates. Of course, but, <laughs> yeah. You've got seven of them, and but this is only great, an hour and a half, right? Yeah. A great opportunity for people to get a chance to look at and listen to these candidates before the upcoming yeah. primary. Yeah. So this is great. I don't. I can't recall a mayoral candidate forum just focused on renewable energy before. This may be a first for Louisville. Well, let me tell you why this is really important for us. And that is that uh, we're the group that wrote up and uh, and shepherded the renewable energy resolution yeah. through the Metro Council. And the night we did that, that was a little over two years ago in February of 2020, just before the pandemic hit. Oh, thankfully. my gosh. I don't even yeah. remember those days. <laughs> Best <But> not to. <laughs> there were about 20-some members of our group, real who showed up for that meeting, and it was debated in the Metro Council for quite some time. And it went back and forth and back and forth. There were measures to table it and so forth and so on. And there were a lot of people worried that it might, you know, it might impinge upon personal liberties like your 
you know, that we, we shouldn't be forced to, uh, to use renewable energy if we don't All right, well, then I shouldn't to. be forced to breathe your polluted right. air from burning fossil fuels. How about that? Yeah. For Some, my liberty, right? <laughs> something like that. Come on. Right. But anyhow, we got it through. It passed on partisan line, but overwhelmingly. Wow, that and, is yeah. fantastic. So this was wonderful. But then the really important thing for this forum is that as soon as it passed, the mayor announced that he endorsed the resolution and that he was going to hire a full-time energy manager and that he would undertake a, a study of the city's energy use wow right away so uh he, he was not at the meeting but obviously he was he was paying attention to the meeting he we was didn't listening have to, to drag it. the mayor kicking and no, screaming no <laughs> he came in and since then the city has take they have internalized this resolution they could have just passed it Given it lip service and just let it not die a natural death. That's a that's the way you normally <laughs> exactly. deal with resolutions. <laughs> so it, they, they they've taken the ball and run with it. They have actually hired a city energy manager, Zach Tyler, who I've been meaning to get on this program because he's doing great work. It, he, you should get him. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of information he can yeah. share. But since the beginning, did he start in February? I think Sam, uh, right after ago. the beginning, about a year ago. Yeah, now, about, yeah. and in the first year he had already earned his salary plus some by Isn't the that savings great? that he identified and got in place for the city i think last figure i heard was $175,000 worth of savings that in just he one year. alone has uh, saved the city i don't know why the university of louisville and many other large institutions can't hire energy managers to do the same thing right mm -hmm. yes at every the, scale we could be doing this work and i was just going to add the other thing the city has done well more than one thing um they've hired or contracted with NREL, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, which is a, a federal, I'm, if I'm correct. Um, anyway, they're going to be advising, they are already advising the city on steps that can be taken to move us toward renewable energy. And That's so those wonderful. are great things that have happened just since the passage of the resolution and with the mayor's support, as Sam was saying. Right. So we want whoever's the next mayor <laughs> to be helping move things along. And it takes citizens advocating for that. And it takes opportunities like this coming Wednesday's evening's program uh, to, to influence the debate and to make sure that renewable energy is on the radar of our candidates. Now, um, this event, uh, people can need to register for in advance because it's on Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. And so folks can find the link to register at your website, which is renewableenergylouisville.org. Uh, and will, will folks be able to ask questions of the candidates or submit in advance or anything like that? Well, we, we have seven candidates yes. lined up so it's <laughs> not a lot of time <laughs> there's we do have we we have some questions we will be asking we will be trying to keep uh, a pretty strict timeline okay we hope to have time at the end yeah. however for some questions from the audience good okay we yes. would very much like to do that it of course we can't get them all in there I but know. we will try to get as many as we can <laughs> and, and more than that if the questions don't get answered during the Zoom, we will still forward those questions to the candidates so they yeah. will know what the public is thinking exactly. and wanting to I know. I love that. So. Right. And if, if folks can't participate on Wednesday evening, will a recording be made available? Yes, it will. Wonderful. Okay. And the, but the way to get the recording is to register. register. <laughs> right. So what you people need to do right now while you're thinking of it, yep. 
Uh, don't put it on the list. Just do it now. Just do it now. Then you don't, then you don't need a list. <laughs> it's free, and we try to make it easy. Right, yeah. RenewableEnergyLouisville.org, the place to go to find the link to register for the Zoom. Again, it's this Wednesday, March 23rd from 7 to 8.30 p.m. We're going to have seven candidates. All were invited, but seven have accepted, right? Uh, boy, I don't even know some of these people. I mean, sure, we've all heard of Craig Greenberg, uh, but do you know any, any information about any of these other candidates who will be joining us? You said there's both Democrats and Republicans? Yes, there are. Yeah, You, you want to read the names so people uh, know? Abs- absolutely, yeah. I've got them right in front of me. Bill DeRoof. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he, he's a Republican, and he's uh, currently, I think, with uh, Jefferson Town. Town. Jefferson Sorry, Town. that makes Sorry. sense. Jefferson Town in, yeah. in Jefferson County. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Uh, Reverend Tim Finley, I've heard of. He's, yes. he's on the Democrat ticket, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Skyler Grodick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an ex-police uh, officer. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um Chartrell Hall, Philip uh, Molestina, and David Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Nicholson's currently with the city government. I believe he was uh, a county clerk. Okay. Uh, I, I clearly need to do my research because these folks are almost all new to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, a lot of people have been talking about, well, the way the race is looking, it's all wrapped up. But of course not. Like we, the people, get to make this decision. And the way to make it is to be informed about their policies and their platforms. It, do you know if any of the candidates have renewable energy as like a fundamental plank in their platform yet? If they don't, we hope they will after our event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why it's important to show up at yeah. this, because uh, we're, we're not a big membership organization, the yeah. Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. We're, we're a tight-knit group. We work very hard. Anybody's willing to be part of it, uh, who is willing, is accepted. We, we're not exclusive. But uh, in order to show these candidates that there's a large number of people who are interested in this, the best way to do that is to just show up yeah and they'll see they'll see your names on there they're they're gonna first thing they're gonna look at is how many participants are there we don't want only 10 right Right. we we want (laughs) to show that the people demand renewable energy and and i think a way we can help ensure that is with these co-sponsors right so yes you've got the kentucky conservation committee kentucky interfaith power and light kentucky resources council where the moderator tom fitzgerald is coming from uh louisville sustainability council and even saint paul united methodist church co-sponsoring this event and also uh, lcan oh yeah louisville climate action network great um network rather i should say Louisville climate action network yeah uh, and the Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Oh, really? KFTC's now on board. Yes. Great. Okay. Yes. This is good. Um, and, and I think, man, if we can start making progress on the resolution, then there's no doubt that Louisville is going to be a leader in the state for renewable energy, right? Absolutely. We well, want to make Louisville a leader in the country, too. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes so much sense in terms of investing in a future that we can all believe in, right? That is more dependable, less reliant on pollution and destruction, right? Like the the need for renewable energy is so obvious, and yet there's so many invested interests in the old way of doing business, right? And and it's getting past that hump and those entrenched interests that takes that requires the political muscle, right? And the people power. Uh, and so I'm so grateful for you guys doing this work (laughs) well you mentioned before that there was some there's there's talk about how the mayor's race has already been decided Mm -hmm. and now where does that talk come from exactly (laughs) and what is it about it's about money 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's clear some people have raised more money than others. And unfortunately, that gives us the sense that the guy who's going to win or the woman who's going to win is the one with the most money. Right. But uh, at least, uh, maybe on paper, <laughs> we, we still have the right to vote regardless of how much money we have. Yeah. But the more people get out and participate in things, the less influence money has. Yeah. Money is there when we don't care. Right. Right. That's a bumper sticker. I'm going to put that on my head. there when we don't care. I like that, Tana. <laughs> I just that's came good. up with that. That's, that's good. It's got to, you got to buy it. If you want to use it, you got to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and all the money will go towards renewable energy. Right. Um, so what are some of the questions you're going to be asking the candidates? I mean, there is... There's so many levels to inquire about renewable energy, uh, but what are from from the perspective of 100% real? What are your all's main questions for these candidates? Okay, well, I think the first thing we want to do, and, and actually the purpose of the questions is to get them talking. Okay, that's the main thing. Yeah. It's, it's, we, we want an answer, but they're going to go all over the place to get to that yeah, answer. Exactly, and we want to hear that. Yeah. Uh, so the, the first question, we're just going to give them some time to introduce themselves. And then we will just say, what is your stance on the 100% renewable energy resolution for Louisville? Mm -hmm. And, and I, that we're going to get a lot of different uh, uh, takes on that. And we're doing that so that these, and we're going to tell them this question in advance. Yeah. So that they're going to have to think about this. Yeah. Okay, so this is, this is our... Our ulterior motive yeah, here no, is to good. get every serious candidate to think about what they're going to say about the renewable energy resolution. Yeah. And that gives them a chance to tell us what they think and gives us as, uh, as citizens the chance to hear whether they've ever thought about this before. Yeah, exactly. And how much they've thought about it yeah. and whether they're going to put it on their platform. Yeah. And, so, and, and we need them to be familiar with the resolution and the steps of the resolution. Yeah, that's why uh, you ask, give them that question in advance so they'll look it up, right? So, and for any of our listeners who don't already I'm know what the resolution this, yes. says, um, there are three goals. It, it's in stages. So the first goal is for the city government to have clean, renewable electricity by 2030. 100%. 100% for the city. For the city's own functioning. So there's city buildings. The buildings, Not yeah. transportation? No. That's the in the second goal, 2035, for all city operations, including trans, uh, trans what do you call it? Yeah, transportation. <laughs> Transit, yes. Transit. And uh, even instead of gas heating for buildings, it would include renewable okay. energy okay. Heating for too. heating yes. Good. and cooling buildings. Good, wow. So... Then the last stage is the big one. It's 20 by 2040, citywide, all residences, businesses, governmental operations should be renewable energy, clean wow. renewable. So that's our goal. And it may seem like a short time frame, but the climate is not waiting. Yeah. And every, <laughs> we get more uh, incidents of extreme weather all the time. Yeah. They're just accelerating like crazy. Also, the intergovernment, the intergovernmental panel, panel on climate change keeps coming out with new reports more that more are dire. The last one is yeah. more, uh, more dire than the preceding yeah. one and so forth. 
Yeah. Um, no, and the truth is we've already kicked this can down the road for decades. I mean, I made a commitment to never drive a car when I was 15 in the 80s, right? Like, this is how long some of us have been worried about this as the greatest crisis facing humanity. And we can't kick it down another, well, well, that two, 20 years is too aggressive a goal, right? Like, we actually have to commit to doing this and invest. And in case anyone doesn't know, Justin came here on a bicycle. Of course, I go everywhere on a bicycle. Sam and I rode here on Sunshine, a plug-in <laughs> yeah. car that is powered by... Uh, solar panels. So That's right. We're That's doing right. And I'm vegetarian, can. so the sun grew my food. We're, I'm solar powered too today. We're all solar powered here on Forward Radio. <laughs> I'm going to reintroduce our guests. They're from Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville, 100% real. And you can learn about them at renewableenergylouisville.org. We're speaking with Sam Avery, a former solar installer and a member of Real. And Margaret Stewart's here too. Uh, they also wanted to let you all know about the city's own website that resulted from this ordinance where you can keep touch with what the city's doing to pursue renewable energy. And that's at the number 100, 100, and then spelled out percent LOU.com. Okay, so you've got this uh, candidate forum coming up on Wednesday at 7 p.m. And we want people to go to renewableenergylouisville.org to register for that. Um, Anything else to say about it? Well, Yes, you asked us a minute ago about what questions the candidates will be asked. Uh, We're very likely to ask them what obstacles they see to meeting the goals of this resolution. So I I did want to follow up with that. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be necessarily easy just because we have to do it, right? (laughs) So, Anything else we're going to be grilling them about on Wednesday? We probably won't have time to get much beyond that with seven <laughs> candidates. But, yeah, exactly. and, and also, hopefully, some opportunity mm. for questions from the listening yeah. audience. We'll see how that works out time-wise. Now, I imagine like Ford Radio, uh, your organization is not able officially to endorse any particular candidate, right? So it's not like you're going to come out with an endorsement. But there are organizations that can do that, that we mentioned who are co-sponsoring this, like KFTC. Um, So folks can maybe look to some of those organizations for an official endorsement. But I guess what you're endorsing is that people get informed about the candidate's stances on renewable energy, whether they're going to vote Republican or Democrat, right? Right. And yeah. th- we we made it out of, went out of our way to get candidates from both parties. Yeah, that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. uh, okay, great. Anything else to say about the candidate forum before we move on to some other topics? I know we want to talk about. Well, I'll follow up just quickly on one about the city. What actions the city has taken, other than uh, hiring the city energy manager and contracting with the National Renewable Energy Lab, the city also has a program called Solar Over Louisville, Great. which is a wonderful program. Many people have already signed up, but uh, maybe some more want to. It'll be to facilitate and provide a discount for people who have roofs tops on their houses suitable for, or perhaps businesses, um, suitable for solar installations. So they have vetted, chosen a company very carefully um, who will be qualified to do installations. They will tell you if your house is suitable without uh, too much interruption in the right. roof space with the right exposure, no, not too many trees overhang, et cetera. Yeah, okay. And they will help uh, provide a discount for, because the company who's doing it will get bulk 
Ah, um, bulk purchasing purchase, discount. Yes. Cool. And so we're really excited about that, but that's a city-organized thing. So. Right, and that you can learn about at 100percentlu.com, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So that's, well, just the fact that that website exists, that's not our website. That's the city's website. So it shows you that they are taking the initiative, and we, we're very glad to see that yeah really and that's why we want to make sure that the, the next person <laughs> doesn't get scrapped by the next administration exactly yeah. it could very easily happen if, yeah. if we don't show public interest in this he could very well say well we're just not going to think about that one. it's a matter of prioritizing it exactly yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely that's so good well let's talk about the real action plan to implement this 100 percent resolution that you all have helped develop i know uh your, your primary mission is an organization is to ensure implementation of the resolution so what are the three interactive approaches that you all are proposing through this uh, action plan um well We've tried to come up with a comprehensive plan that is practical, that's something that will actually happen. We'd love to do all this tomorrow morning. Of course. But, but there's Yesterday. Some, there, <laughs> yeah, until there 30 some, years ago. There's some other influences out there that, yeah. uh, that we have to take into consideration. And uh, so the, what we want to do is mostly concentrate on solar energy. It's not going to be all solar, but it, a lot of it will be. And the first thing that uh, that the city energy manager is already working on is conservation. And I, I'm not going to go into that in any detail, but just so you know that it's, it's conservation is important. First of all, it saves you money. So oh, yeah. it gives you credibility. We already know that the, our energy manager has saved three quarters of a million dollars for right. the city. Okay, that's huge. Uh, but that means that everything else we do, uh, which will probably mostly be either rooftop solar or utility scale solar. Either those two will be considerably less expensive and also take up considerably less space if we're able to get a a substantial amount of conservation in there. So that's why conservation is is the thing we start out for, even though on its own it doesn't, you know, on its own it reduces the amount of energy we use. It doesn't eliminate it. Right. Uh, so any one of these three is not going to work on its own. Right. Together, they will work together. Now, something that's that uh, I'm actually most conversant in rooftop solar because that was my business for many years. And what we'd really like to see is to have just about every building in the city, in the country, in the world with solar panels just slapped all over. And that's the efficient the most efficient way to do it. And in fact, I know from experience that a a household, especially, the average household has plenty of roof space to meet all of its energy needs, all of it, including for transportation, including for automobiles. Mm, Now, not every house is average. Right. Uh, And the problem comes with architecture. Yeah. And that a lot of our building stock now, all of our building stock now, was designed and built without solar in mind. And so we have, uh, you know, dormers and roof stacks and chimneys and things, broken up roof lines, things that make it very hard for the poor (laughs) solar (laughs) installer, who used to be me, to try and figure out how to get enough, the full amount of energy. Right. If buildings are built from the ground up with solar energy in mind, we could produce all of the energy we need for 
domestic use, for industrial use, for commercial use, for transportation, for anything else. We could produce all of that from the buildings that we built. But it's going to take a long time. Oh, right. Yeah, we're not going to tear everything down. We're not going to tear all our buildings down. So over time, what I would like to see is rooftop solar everywhere Mm. for all buildings. Mm. Okay, but... Let's get back to the real world. That's not going to happen <laughs> for a long time. So what we need before then is utility-scale solar. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have to have solar production for houses and buildings that are not appropriate for gathering solar energy. Right. Okay. Now, look at, for instance, we're in a, in a tall building right now. We're on the eighth floor of a building. That, 16, 17th floor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's... It's it's more difficult for a tall building to gather its own energy. So it could be even over time that a building like this will not be able to to uh, to make produce all of its own energy. Right. So we're going to need to produce that energy somewhere else. So that's another reason why we may need some form of utility production in the future even. So the best way to do this now, the most efficient way is to take a large field, thousands of acres, and fill it full of solar panels. And I think we're going to have to do that. Now, there's some problems with that, big problems. First of all, it's expensive. It's not the best use of land. We could be destroying habitat. We could be infringing upon oh, agricultural production. Oh, yeah, you could do production. it very wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is not the best. Solar colonialism, right? Yes. <laughs> and that's a big problem because yeah. we, we've got a lot of... Solar companies wanting to to build these large solar arrays in right. Kentucky. Okay, so in, in, and a lot of us are kind of like on both sides of this issue. You know, we want to go solar, but we don't want to cover up all the you know the cow pastures and the cornfields and the. But we can cover the parking lots. Yeah, <laughs> why not? But at any rate, my point is, we need utility scale solar construction. At least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Now, I I have built a lot of solar installations, which are ground-mounted. They're not on buildings. And there are a lot of different ways to do that. The wrong way to do that is to pour concrete all over the place. Oh. Then you got yourself a, a permanent situation where you've taken a field out of agricultural production, out of potential natural habitat. It's going to be a it's going to be a solar field, and then it's just going to be a dump after a while. We don't want that. We what we do and have been doing is to we pound we pound posts into the ground, and uh, when you're done, <laughs> you can take it thirty out. forty years from now you can pull them back out and you got yourself a field back. We may have to do this on a large scale as an emergency measure. Mm. Okay, now I don't see a whole lot of emergency. I don't see people <laughs> running around saying, hey, we got to build solar. I feel that way, though. Yeah. And you feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're getting into some very, very serious uh, climate uh, dis- catastrophes. Tipping, tipping points. Tipping points. Yeah, yes. Perfect phrase for it, yeah. The, the ice cap is melting. The, sol- the soil in the Arctic is melting, releasing more methane and more carbon dioxide. I don't want to get into that on this program, but <laughs> believe me, folks, we're in trouble. What Sam is saying is the worse it gets, the worse it will get. 
Exactly. The longer we delay this investment in a rational, clean future, the more pain we're all going to suffer. And right. the more we'll pay. The and, longer and we the delay, more expensive it'll the be. more we exactly, pay. Exactly. Because we can't remediate everything that's been ruined by floods and droughts and water and hurricanes and so forth. Yeah. And it's going to cost more. Rebuilding in the long Western run. Kentucky ain't going to be cheap after those tornadoes, right? Right. Yeah, that's what we're going to see more. And flood walls. I mean, my God, how are we going to handle cities that are underwater? I mean, this is mm-hmm. a, major cities. Major cities. This is a really scary thing to even contemplate. But if we don't, if we just bury our head in the sand and keep, ah, uh, maybe it'll go away. Then we're really creating even more of a debt to future generations. Right. So in, in to, to summarize, what the action plan is about is all three of these, conservation, rooftop solar, and utility-scale solar. Any one of them alone is not going to do it. Yeah, They have to bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. We have to have conservation to keep those solar fields as small as possible. Hmm. We have to have rooftop solar probably going to be the long range, but we have to have utility-scale solar as an emergency measure now in order to... Get us off of coal and natural gas. Speaking today with Sam Avery and Margaret Stewart from the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville. You can learn more about them at renewableenergylouisville.org. They are hosting a candidate forum coming up on Wednesday the 23rd from 7 to 8.30 p.m. online. It's on Zoom. You need to register in advance, even if you can't participate this Wednesday at 7. If you register, you'll get a link to a recording uh, afterwards uh, and go to renewableenergylouisville.org in order to register. Um, let's talk a little bit more about utility scale solar. Um, not that it's a silver bullet at all, but an important piece, right? And LG&E has started down this road a little bit, right? Um, you mentioned some ways to do it wrong, um, (laughs) (laughs) but what is the city's role in leading towards utility scale? Uh, There's some talk of partial municipalization of the electric grid. Tell me about that. Yes, this is very interesting. And actually, this if we have time, this is going to be another question oh, on the good. debate. Oh, good. Okay. I don't know that we'll get to it. But uh, I think that's going to be a big issue in the next uh, mayoral administration. Um, and this we don't really know what we're talking about yet here. <laughs> we don't. And the city doesn't even. And what they have, they have an RFP out, a request for proposals, not for not for partial municipalization itself, but to do a feasibility study. Can we do some sort of municipalization? And what this basically is, is the city saying, okay, we're going to produce our own electricity. We're going to figure out a way of getting our own electricity into city buildings. And they may just sort of have to build around the existing LG&E infrastructure in some way, shape, or form. Huh. Okay, and and notice that they're doing this to meet the first goal of the hundred percent resolution. Yeah. Okay. They're they're taking our work and saying this is how we're going to do what you guys think we should do, which is which is cool. That's that's really nice. They're actually figuring out a way they can do that. They're doing this with NREL, with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. Oh. But it, what they could do is they could simply hook into another network of electricity producers, which is gathering wind energy for further mm-hmm. further west. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one way they could do it. The other way that I hope that we can get them to do is to tie into a, a city-owned or city-leased 
solar installation somewhere close close by obviously it's, it's not going to be in the city on uh, my own calculations is we we need about 500 acres to produce what the city itself uses wow 500 acres okay yeah. and it needs to not be super far away or you'd lose right. a lot of power in the transmission right and beyond that yeah you lose uh power during the transmission but the closer we have instead of some windmills far away, and we're not suited for wind power here in the Ohio River Valley, by the way, but at any rate, the closer we have our source, uh, and particularly solar I'm thinking of, the less pollution we are putting out from gas and coal burning, the fossil fuels. And that becomes a social equity issue if, or social justice issue, if you will, because usually it's the less affluent areas right. that have right. these particle generating sources that contribute to the pollution that cause asthma, COPD, et cetera. Uh, they get the, some areas get the worst of it. Yeah. So the solar panels, uh, fortunately, don't have that side effect, <laughs> if you will. And the other wonderful thing about solar panels that I don't think we've mentioned yet, they last maybe 30 years, perhaps a little longer. Sam 30, had 30, 40, 50 years. Sam yeah. had some that lasted beyond 30. Well, at any rate, um, after the initial payback period, which may be something in the neighborhood of 10, 12, perhaps a little longer years after that, the sun is free. Yeah. You don't have to keep buying it. Yeah. So why not? Why I mean, not? we have to make an upfront investment or finance it in some way that's advantageous. And in the long run, it will more than pay for itself Well, you know, in, in saved health costs and in actual dollars. Americans buy things all the time that they can't afford today, and almost all those things depreciate in value. They don't generate more revenue. I'm thinking of a house, a car, right? So why can't we all buy our energy systems for our roof that way? Just an upfront investment. We're taking out a loan. We know the sun's going to come out tomorrow and make power, so we have to spend less on our utility bill. Uh, it's just it's just crazy to me that we don't all see this as like common financing mechanism. And, and, and I, I will add, I think the solar over Louisville program actually is going to help people finance yeah. if needed. Good, good. That's so important. And I should say also that if we go with a utility-scale solar for city operations, uh, we don't have to finance this. We don't. It's not going to come out of the city budget. What's going to happen is we're going to find a solar developer yeah. who will build a system. Take on the risk. Take on the risk, produce the energy, in exchange for a guaranteed income stream. Mm -hmm. See, this it's, it's a safe bet. We know about how much energy. The, the, the city uses 100 million kilowatt hours a year, in case you wanted to Just know. for the city's own The city's operations. own operation. Okay. The city pays about $12 million for that right now. Wow. Every year. Wow. Okay. Now, a solar developer That's might come along and say, hey, I could have that. Yeah. It, it might be cheaper. He he would might do it considerably cheaper than we we don't know. Prices go up and down, but it's it's a point now where solar is getting to be cheaper than coal or or gas. So we're going to find a developer. He's going to lease the land. He's going to build the system. He's going to supply it to the city for a price, a, an agreed upon price for. 
20, 30, 40 years, whatever the you contract lock is. in your rates. You don't have right. to worry about exactly. fluctuations it, in the oil market, right? And yeah. you don't have to finance it. We don't have to find room in the existing city budget for this. Right. That's great. If we find the right developer. That is great. I hate to say it, but one of the problems we have is our utility company has already invested lots of dollars in the infrastructure for gas and coal. And they and don't want to retire. still trying to invest more in through Bernheim Forest, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we don't need to keep going in that direction. We've got to go in the direction of the future. And whatever obstacles there are to be overcome, yeah. we have to do it. You know, even even renewable energy friendly politicians, especially I'm thinking at the national level, but maybe even locally too, I can't think of any specific examples there, but they'll always talk about, um, we want an all energy solutions options, all options on the table, right? And No, we don't. It, it, exactly. <laughs> it's always like, <laughs> I think what, what maybe the little grain of truth out of there is that we need all renewable solutions, yes. right? And we've talked almost exclusively about solar here, and you've sort of made the case for why rooftop solar is a key part of this solution, but it can't be the only one, right? So what is the full suite of renewable energy options that if, if Louisville wants to really get to 100% needs to start thinking about seriously? Mm -hmm. We could do some hydro here in town. We A limited amount, I will say, but we have the river. There is the potential for that. Um, Even also, without creating a new dam, you can put yes. in stream turbines. Well, yes. we're, we're and, about two, one or 2% of our energy is already hydro through LG&E. From the falls of the Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. And LG&E could do more. Mm -hmm. Or restoring dams, like on the Kentucky River, they've mm -hmm. been doing that work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I will say, also, we haven't talked about geothermal, but yeah. you don't have to have hot springs to do yeah. geothermal. And many people may not know, there's a huge geothermal system on the Galt House, right. um, installed years ago. Yep. And it can be done elsewhere. Because so, that that the ground at depth is always 55 degrees, so mm -hmm. imagine pulling 55 degree air into your building in the summer or even in the winter when it's 20 degrees out you don't have to heat uh, air up from 20 you can heat it up from 55 and save or you a don't have to heat energy. it up from zero when it yeah. gets to zero yeah. <laughs> you save a lot yeah mm. and you can do geothermal in, uh, by drilling straight down mm -hmm. or you can do it um, horizontally mm -hmm. depending on your location mm -hmm. and your needs but um, it's it's another upfront cost to do that yeah. but uh, a way of major savings in energy and money in the long run yeah what about fuels too we're probably going to need some fuels yes we we do i think also even even wind there's a chance for wind in louisville uh where it's not it's not great for that right now but there are ways that we could incorporate wind into say a sure. solar field yeah you and can use the same land they're so, improving not only solar panels all the time but wind, wind generating yeah. systems mm -hmm. on the top of some buildings and so yeah. forth and so. we when we get around to the the third goal 2040 goal we're going to need some probably going to need some wind energy piped in from the midwest yeah, yeah. so we, you know that that's another option on the table I think also you started to talk about like liquid fuels. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some good possibilities here. Uh, uh, for one, uh, algae can mm -hmm. be can be used mm -hmm. to produce a, a liquid biofuel, mm -hmm. or 
Um, another possibility is hydrogen. Yeah. Hydrogen is very difficult to, to hold in a compressed container, but there are other ways of storing it that, uh, that may become more and more useful. And speaking of storage, storage batteries for solar power that doesn't shine at night, uh, right. you know, when the sun, that sort of thing, uh, that technology is improving all the time. We will need that. Yeah. Yeah, we got to improve our storage technology for sure. Um, and, you know, the Con Center for Renewable Energy Research at UofL, that's one of the things they're working on. Mm -hmm. uh, I just learned about another renewable energy project that they're thinking about uh, working with the university to do a pilot on. And it's a more efficient type of uh, geothermal uh, that uses latent energy. Uh, so I need to learn more about it. I just learned about it moments ago. I'm pretty excited that that might be incorporated into our next engineering research building project, for instance. Great. Um, so yeah, these are the kinds of uh, multiple solutions we need to pursue. Uh, and also solar thermal, right? We could do so much more with mm -hmm. uh, to heat our buildings and our water, right? Mm -hmm. With just yeah. the power of the sun. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so... It's a it's a all hands on deck, but from a renewable perspective, like why hold on to these old, polluting, destructive technologies uh, just because we need? Oh, we're such energy hogs. We're gonna need something, mm -hmm. right? Like, <laughs> we need it in our back pocket. Well, not really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's the nuclear conversation. Mm -hmm. Do we want to touch briefly on? Some people think that that should be part of our car uh, carbon free solution. What do y'all think about I'll nuclear? I'll talk to that one. <laughs> Well, I, I'll let Margaret talk, but I think nuclear power is really good for boiling water and blowing up cities. <laughs> right. Uh, or maybe for uh, submarines uh, right. or spaceships, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you could talk about the mining for the uranium and so forth and the damage that does, does especially to Native American lands. Yeah. You could talk about the... Um, vulnerability of an accident, either accidental accident or a deliberate yeah. accident. Yeah. Uh, and with a hot and, war in Ukraine right now, this is a very relevant topic. But, but beyond all that, um, and you could even also, I had talk about the water that is changed the ecology of the water system. They have to be have a source of water, like right. a river or whatever. Yeah. But beyond that, it's just really important to know that the expense of nuclear yes and the time expensive. frame of getting nuclear power up and running yeah. both of those make them totally impractical for meeting the climate change needs that we need to meet in a hurry at an affordable cost yeah so I, I think at least we shouldn't be investing in new nuclear right now. Uh, I don't know that we need a radical shutdown of every nuclear plant immediately, but uh, I, I'm, I'm on board with you that uh, thinking about that as a rational solution for the future, just it sh doesn't need to be part of our mix. We have the other technologies available that we just need to invest in with. If we had invested, you know, back in the 50s, you know, with as much money into renewables as we did into nuclear, think about I, where we'd be. Th well, think about Jimmy Carter put solar panels on the White House. Right. Right. And then, I mean, if we'd all started doing that back then, the technology for the solar would be a lot more advanced. We would be manufacturing more yeah. and selling to the rest of the world probably yeah. by now. Is uh, the domestic manufacturing of things like solar panels starting to uptick a little bit? I know for a while you couldn't even find a domestic manufacturer. Yeah, that's that was true. And, yeah. uh, and uh, there were a lot of companies, American and Canadian and German companies, which were 
would produce panels in the, in the Asia. Right. And, but uh, they, there's, there are more of them built in the U.S. now. That's and, good. Uh, but it's, it is, it's going to be a global market. Sure. It's, it's not something where we can say, oh, everything has to be American-made. That's not going to work. Not for solar and not for a lot of other things, Well, and too. this is a global problem that needs global solutions. So Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody needs to be making these things, right? Right. <laughs> I was just going to say one other thing we haven't even mentioned is the job creation that would come. Thank you. Uh, yeah. With solar installations and maybe manufacturing uh, or any of the other renewables that we talked about. A lot of good hopefully well-paying jobs that could be created. Yeah. yeah, and if you're talking about rooftop solar or utility scale right here in Kentucky, you can't export those jobs, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we can't even have automation for those kinds of things, uh, maybe in the manufacturing side, but certainly for installation, you need real people doing real work. And this is going to be, you know, a, a, a jobs for decades, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, right? Uh, so we are nearly out of our time. I just want to remind folks that uh, the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville is hosting a candidate forum focused just on renewable energy coming up this Wednesday, March 23rd, 7 to 8.30 p.m. online. It's free. It's via Zoom, and you can register at renewableenergylouisville.org. Any last things you want to throw in before we close uh, that I didn't get to ask you about? I think you've covered a lot. We did. Yeah. We did. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. And I really hope people will check out the candidates at this forum. I'm very excited yeah, about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, thank you so much for organizing it, and thank you for taking time to join me in the studio today. It was great to have you folks on. Thank you for having us. good to be here. Thank you, Justin. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, your community action calendar. The candidate forum isn't the only thing happening this week, so get your pencil sharpened and your calendars out, and I'll let you know what's going on in Louisville this week. So stay tuned, my friends. Welcome back, my friends. You are listening to Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. You know why I call it that? Because we don't have to sit around and wait for sustainability. It's happening this week if we get engaged and make it happen. So I hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out, my friend, and are ready to take action for sustainability this week. And it all starts with the event we've been talking about throughout the whole show, Real Good News, Local Action for Climate Care, a virtual mayoral candidate forum coming up this Wednesday, March 23rd, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. online via Zoom. You can join members of the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville to hear mayoral candidates discuss renewable energy in Louisville. All candidates were invited, and seven have accepted Bill DeRuff, Reverend Tim Finley, Skylar Grodick, Craig Greenberg, Chartrail Hall, Philip Molestina, and David Nicholson. It'll be moderated by the amazing Tom 
Tom Fitzgerald, Senior Staff at the Kentucky Resources Council. And I didn't even mention, there's going to be music by John Gage. It's sponsored by the Kentucky Conservation Committee, Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, Kentucky Resources Council, Louisville Sustainability Council, Louisville Climate Action Network, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and St. Paul United Methodist Church. You can register for this free event at Renewable Energy Louisville. Dot O-R-G. Just click on events and you'll find the registration link there. And we hope to see you there on Wednesday at 7 p.m. All right. Coming up on Friday, the 25th at noon at UofL, either in person in Ekstrom Library, room 254, or online. It's the April, uh, March Eagle Lunch and Learn with Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District. You can join online or join us in person for our monthly EcoRips workshops featuring locals making a difference in sustainability. And if you come in person, a free vegan lunch. And our March workshop will put you in touch with the work of the Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District. With conservation as their passion, the district's mission is to conserve Jefferson County's natural resources by coordinating financial, technical, and educational assistance that helps both rural and urban communities to implement sustainable solutions. You won't want to miss it. UofL's EcoReps workshops are always on the last Fridays of every month during the school year at noon in Extrem Room 254. That's Extrem Library, the main library on the Belknap campus. Or you can go online and you don't even need to register in advance. All are welcome. You can find more information and the link to join or the phone number if you just want to call in to hear it at louisville.edu slash sustainability under events. Now, coming up on Saturday, March 26th, I want you to put your gloves on and your dirty overalls and come on out and join me for the next Louisville Grows tree planting on Saturday. We are going to go to the much need of love and much need of shade and much need of trees Shawnee neighborhood in West Louisville. We'll be there from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. planting trees on private property, giving people who need and cannot afford trees some shade and some greenery and some pollution prevention and some stormwater infiltration and some wildlife habitat and an ability to enjoy nature. What could be more important work, my friends? This will be good for the residents of Shawnee and it will be good for everyone in our city. We are suffering from a crisis, an urban heat island crisis caused by people recklessly tearing down trees around our county or paving everything over, right? In development, quote unquote. Well, you can help us restore the urban canopy and bring back all of these benefits to our city and to the residents of Shawnee who deserve nothing but the best. So Join us at 8.30 a.m. We're going to meet up at the Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church. That's on Muhammad Ali Boulevard at 4038. And you can register in advance at tinyurl.com slash plantshawnee2022. Or you can just come and sign up in the registration period from 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Help us reach our goal of planting a 1,000 trees with Louisville Grows this year. They need you to join the tree planting team, dig in and help us restore the urban tree canopy in our neighborhoods. No experience is necessary. Everyone is welcome to come play in the dirt with us. Trained citizen foresters will be there to lead you in proper tree planting. Any person 12 years of age or younger must be accompanied and one-to-one ratio by a parent or guardian. 
All volunteers must be fully vaccinated against COVID and wearing a mask is mandatory. There will no be no breakfast or lunch served, but snacks and coffee provided. Registration again is from 8.30 to 9 a.m. and planting groups will depart right at 9. Please dress appropriately for the weather. You'll be digging in the dirt and handling mulch to so wear clothes that you don't mind getting dirty and closed toe shoes are required. And waterproof outerwear is suggested if rain is forecasted. We will plant trees come rain or shine on Saturday. If severe weather is expected, you will be notified if you've registered of an alternate date. So you can go to louisvillegrows.org for more information or to sign up. If you have any questions, you can contact Charlie at volunteer at louisvillegrows.org or give Charlie a call or a text at 502-655-9830. And if you can't make it this Saturday, come on out on Saturday, April 9th. We'll be planting trees back in the South End for the South End Beautification Tree Planting, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., meeting up at 264 Eiler Avenue. You can register and learn more about that one at tinyurl.com slash plant south end 2022. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I just want to see you this Saturday, March 26th, 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Meeting up at Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church to plant some trees in Shawnee. It's going to be great, y'all. Saturday, March 26th is also an opportunity to get some trees, especially if you live down in the South End. Some fine folks from the Earth and Spirit Center's Environmental Justice and Deep Ecology Internship Program contacted me. These are high schooler students who are organizing something they're calling the Flourish Project. It's a plant and tree giveaway taking place on Saturday the 26th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. down at Iroquois Public Library, 601 West Woodlawn Avenue. They're going to be giving away over 100 trees trees and over 100 native plants along with Heine Brothers coffee for the first 50 people who show up on Saturday at Iroquois Public Library starting at 10 a.m. The Flourish Project is a youth-led initiative to give away trees and native plants in South Louisville. They believe in the power of urban gardening to advance environmental justice and so they are giving away 75 white oaks, 75 dogwoods, 25 swamp milkweed plugs, 25 New England aster plugs, 25 gray-headed coneflower plugs, 25 swamp hibiscus, and a couple hundred pawpaw saplings. Hey, hey, great native fruit. They will also have kale, lettuce, and charred plants to help you get your garden started in this cooler shoulder season. That sounds awesome. There will be no restrictions on who can benefit, but they're especially targeting neighborhoods in South and Southwest Louisville. You can get more information about it on Instagram, of course, instagram.com slash L-O-U dot flourish project dot, no, that's it. <laughs> instagram.com slash L-O-U dot flourish project. And again, that's Saturday the 26th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Iroquois Public Library library on Woodlawn Ave. Also, starting Sunday, my friends, I'm so excited. It's the return of car-free Sundays at Cherokee Park. Yes, when the pandemic hit, they finally made the parks for people and not for cars and shut down all those roads, having death traps driving through our parks. It's just insane. But... Eh, they opened up the roads again. Well, starting this Sunday, March 27th, they are going to reclose the roads on last Sunday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Louisville Parks and Recreation and the Olmsted Parks Conservancy have teamed up to liberate one of Louisville's largest and most popular parks from the tyranny of these dangerous, loud, polluting, wildlife-killing vehicles. They will close the scenic loop in Cherokee Park to vehicles for one day a month. 
one day a month. You can now walk, bike, jog, skate, or play in peace on the Scenic Loop on the last Sunday of the month from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Closures will start this Sunday, March 27th, and will run through the fall. Also on Sunday, March 27th, you can volunteer with Feed Louisville. As I mentioned last week, from 1 to 4 p.m., Feed Louisville was founded at the beginning of the pandemic by Chef Rana Kumar of Prana and Ramsey's Cafe on the World and Donnie Green, a seasoned outreach volunteer who has been working in solidarity with people experiencing houselessness in our community for years. The work started with a conversation and has grown into a network of chefs, restaurants, food companies, farmers, outreach workers, and countless other volunteers who work together daily to get close to 3,000 meals a week directly to people living on the streets. Volunteers work alongside Feed Louisville to prep and deliver these meals. You can learn more and sign up to volunteer at grow502.org. Grow502.org. Grow502 is a food justice initiative of the uh, Louisville UofL medical students that were guests on this program a while ago, and they're running these great volunteer events on Sunday, March 27th from 1 to 4 p.m. Go to grow502.org to learn more. Also want to let you know that on Sunday from 2 to 4, it'll be the first spring foraging workshop of two. You can also go on Sunday, April 3rd from 2 to 4 p.m. at Lots of Food there at 1647 Portland Avenue. There is a fee for these workshops, but it's on a sliding scale from $10 to $30, depending on your ability to pay. You may be wondering, can I really eat that? Well, spring is springing, so get ready for the abundance of the season with a spring foraging workshop. Join for a walk and tour on either March 27th or April 3rd, 2 to 4 p.m. We'll taste and learn to identify edible greens. They are popping up everywhere. Flowers and spring fruits. You'll learn to make a beautiful and delicious salad with forged goodies that may be right there in your backyard under your nose and you don't even recognize them as food. That's what's so exciting about these kinds of events. More information and registration is available at LouisvilleLotsOfFood.com. And lastly, I want to let you know that Monday, March 28th, from noon to 1 p.m., it's a Native Plants, Pollinators, and Medicinal Plants class on Zoom. This class is offered free through a collaboration between Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District, Jefferson County Extension, and Kentuckiana Backyard Farms. It's going to be the bomb. It's Monday the 28th at noon on Zoom. You can register at tinyurl.com slash nativeplants2022. tinyurl.com slash nativeplants2022. Hey, and that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well and stay tuned. Ford Radio.